Here's an urgent alert from the Student Loan Hotline. The average student loan debt is $25,000. Have you been out of college for 10 or more years and you're still making your student loan payments? If you are struggling with paying off your student loan, if you are past due, we can help. Nationwide Student Loan Relief can now restructure your student loans. We can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop harassing collection calls, and even eliminate your student loan payment. If you can't afford your student loans, or if you're past due and you need help, you must call right now. We will restructure your loan or your money back, and that's a guarantee. So call the Student Loan Hotline right now. Welcome, you're listening to Sports Econ 101, the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Bruce McGowan, longtime sports radio personality. Now today, we have a new guest on, don't we? Yeah, we have a good friend of mine who uh, actually is, I was just teasing him, he's three weeks younger than me. Uh, Mark Purdy from the San Jose Mercury News, who has been working in the Bay Area for many, many years, and he's got some great stories to tell about some of the people and games and events that he's covered in his uh, long and distinguished career. So we're going to have a fun time. A little nostalgia. A little nostalgia. nostalgia. That's what life is all about, you know. It's the memories. And at each commercial break, we're going to ask a sports trivia question. In fact, for you old guys, uh, this is Major League Teams 100 Years. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about that. Sounds good. Um, Yeah, there's some old stuff and some new stuff. Okay. A little bit of little variety. Something old, something new. Yeah, Yeah, something borrowed, something blue. All right. All right. I uh, also <laughs> want to talk about uh, Kevin Durant giving up like $10 million right. so that others could sign. Yes. Um, and it also saved the Warriors a lot of luxury tax money. Yeah. So not only did it take money out of his pocket, but it also gave the team a little bit more extra, you know. To go out and buy some other players that have improved the team, actually. Exactly. Yeah. And also, I thought it was kind of neat. LeBron was talking about how uh, Curry deserves to make $80 million a year. Well, he is probably with his endorsements. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, mean, I think yeah. he means specifically for you oh. know, just playing. But, you hey. know, I think that's pretty, pretty wow. in a way, oh, it's kind of classy because, you know, LeBron yeah. is LeBron and be able to say, yeah, you know what? This guy earns it. How much does LeBron make per year? That's a good question. We're going to we'll, ask, we'll ask Mark, Mark Purdy. Yeah, Mark should know that. All right. Okay. So this, second, this segment of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, providing mortgage investments that are still currently yielding over 7.5% secured by Bay Area real estate. It doesn't get any more conservative than that. In fact, their average yield is only about 56% loan to value. Mm. So that's why they have no losses. Hear that? No losses. That's all German to me. Although I do yeah. speak German. Okay. So I should say that's all, <laughs> all Egyptian. Greek. All Greek. Greek yeah, yeah. Egyptian. I've never heard anyone say, oh, yeah, that, that's all Egyptian to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. How many people speak it? Not I did, actually, they don't think they speak Egyptian in Egypt. Arabic, right? Arabic. Okay. Arabic, yeah. Check them out at PacificPrivateMoney.com. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. We'll be right back.
This is Mark Honf, co-host of Mortgage Investing 101. Did you know that you can earn, year in and year out, returns of 8% and more on your savings and retirement accounts? Mortgage-backed investment strategies such as trustee investing and mortgage pool funds can do just that. Since 2008, clients of Pacific Private Money have consistently earned high yields on their investments. Find out for yourself how you, too, can profit from these real estate-secured investments. Call 415-883-2150 or visit our website at PacificPrivateMoney.com. Invest in some fun this season with this deal from Paintball Tickets. With the largest network of paintball fields in North America, Paintball Tickets is committed to bringing you high-intensity fun for a fraction of the cost. With the purchase of your paintball tickets, you'll receive free admission and equipment rentals to some of the most played-at paintball parks nationwide. And by partnering up with like-minded, safety-conscious paintball fields in thriving markets across the nation, we've ensured there's always a field close to home. These tickets, which can be purchased in bulk, are designed to fit the needs of every skill level, from casual observers to weekend warriors. This adrenaline-inducing sport is perfect for birthday parties, corporate team building, or a casual outing with friends. Make the right choice for your wallet. Get in on the fastest-growing action sport with this deal from Paintball Tickets by going to sportsecon101.com and clicking on the Play Paintball button. Transcendence Theater Company's award-winning concert series, Broadway Under the Stars, returns to Sonoma Valley this summer. Experience world-class wine and picnicking alongside sprawling vineyards all summer long beginning June 16th. You'll see top talent fill the stage in the open-air ruins of Jack London State Historic Park in beautiful wine country. Enjoy numbers from Tap to Fosse and everything in between with Broadway performers from shows such as Wicked, Mamma Mia, and the Book of Mormon. Tickets and information at bestnightever.org. It has been said that everyone has a book in them. But do you have the time or the ability to write your book? Maybe you picked up some skills or had a life experience that you want to pass on in the form of a book to help others. Maybe you want to leave an autobiography for your family. Or maybe you've built a successful business and you want to share your story. At Dorrance Publishing Company, we have professional writers who can help turn your book idea into a finished manuscript quickly and affordably. A Dorrance ghostwriter can provide as much or as little help as you need to complete your book. You'll work directly with your ghostwriter to finish your book faster than you ever could on your own. It's easy to become a published author. Call Dorrance now to learn more. 800-485-6003-800-485-6003-800-485-6003. Call right now. That number is 800-485-6003. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Bruce, who's on the phone? Yeah, a good friend of mine, Mark Purdy, who uh, if you're in the Bay Area or you uh, go online or just you know keep up with sports, he is a household name around here. He's been covering just about everything for the last three or three some odd decades. And, and Mark is also just getting ready, ready to retire. So he's sort of in the retirement mode, but not quite yet. It's sort of like Carl Yastrzemski doing his celebratory around the league's uh, you know, uh, tour. I remember that v- uh, vividly, uh, uh, Mark. And I don't know if you ever interviewed Cal inter- Repkin, yeah, Or Cal Repkin. But I remember Carl Yastrzemski. I remember dealing with him a lot. And he was always a sourpuss. But when he was on his farewell tour, man, this guy was a just a prince of a human being. You ever deal with Carl Yastrzemski? I, I think I... Talked to him maybe once. I, I, yeah, that's that famous line he said about Ted Williams, right? He was saying hello just as he was preparing to say goodbye. Because, yeah. <laughs> because now he was going to be a nice, 
nice guy. It was kind of the same thing. I did see Yastrzemski play his last game at Comiskey Park, and I forget why I was there. Really? Comiskey Interesting. Park. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I'm trying to remember why I was there, but I was there for something. Yeah, I, I lucked out because Pete Ward, you remember him, he was a kind of a journeyman player, but a pretty good player with the White Sox in the 60s. He was friends with Carl, and I was working in Portland, and Pete was a, a batting instructor for one of the local colleges, and I did an interview with him, and I, you know, I asked him who he knew, and he said, oh, Carl Yastrzemski is a friend of mine. And I thought, well, the Red Sox are going to be in Seattle. I'd lo- I said, can you call him up and just let him know that I'd love to interview him, a, a feature? Oh, yeah, I can get you an in with him. So I go up to Carl Yastrzemski, hey, your friend Pete Ward. Uh, Pete Ward, he's no freaking friend of mine. <laughs> and it was, the whole thing was a put yeah, on. Yeah, he was yanking your chain. you ever have somebody that. do that to you, Mark? They just kind of kidded around with you and you really... Oh, oh sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, particularly in baseball. Right? Yeah, who... who, did, who you know, the, the, the baseball code is to screw with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, why is that? Uh, well, you know, my motto is opinions on demand, which has kept me in the column writing business for all these years. And I do have an opinion about that. Uh, I think it's because in baseball... Uh, the culture of the game is such that, um, you know, unlike, you know, it, it's changing somewhat as you get more college guys into, into Major League Baseball, but uh, it's still probably dominated by non-college players, MLB. Um, and I don't mean to be a snob when I say that, but um, as opposed to other sports, um, in baseball, uh, you know, like in the NFL locker rooms, almost everybody's been to college. You know, sometimes they don't go to class, but they've been on a college campus for a few years. They've been they brushed kinda, by... They kind of yeah. get a sense for, like, there's something else out there. Other they, than, they've been brushed by the veneer of education. And, yeah. Right? yeah. Baseball players, you know, you're drafted out of high school, or if you're a Caribbean player, you know, you're, you're signed uh, as, a, as a teenager, really. And then immediately you're just thrown into this, these low minor leagues where... You're pretty much at the ballpark, or you're riding a bus with the other baseball players, or you're bunking out with three other baseball players in a in a house trailer, or whatever. You're just with each other all this time, and uh, you know you put nineteen, twenty year old guys in a in a environment like that. They're just they're going to be nineteen or twenty year old guys, and 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 it kind of comes develops this, this somehow this culture where. Like the more a holy you are, the cooler you are, <laughs> and um, and so that bleeds into the the major league clubhouses um, as as more and more. I mean, I I used to say I could walk in a, a clubhouse and uh, within uh, you know a day or two of covering a team, you could tell which guys had had gone to college and which hadn't. Huh. And I, and again, I I don't mean to be a snob when I say that. It's just just the way the culture operates. And so, if you're covering baseball, you better be prepared to deal with it. Yeah, and, uh, I bet some of the players trying to one up the other player, don't they? Yeah, yeah. The more, the more, yeah, the more a hole you are, you know, the cooler you are. And um, uh, yeah, they'll they'll dig. I mean, my first experience with that before I moved to the Bay Area in 1984 to work for the Morgan News, like I worked in Cincinnati, and so I caught the tail end of the big red machine covering those teams, and those guys really dug into each other a lot, and I. You know, the first time I went in there, I was, geez, I was a kid. I was in my early 20s, and you see, um, you know, you saw the way Johnny Bench you know, ripped at Pete Rose, and you saw the way, uh, you know, Dave Concepcion was kind of the brunt of all these jokes, and they <laughs> threw him in the dryer one day, and you go like, wow, this, these are like, you know, immature guys, right? But they're the world champions. It's kind of weird. And then Tony Perez was kind of the, the traffic cop, and he kind of could go in. He was like the most mature guy there. He was from Cuba, and he had not been to college, but he just had that personality. Uh, it, it just, I mean, I, sure, yeah, I was in locker rooms, and I remember one time I went to interview. I was trying, I, tr- I showed up to, um, I didn't know what 
uh, when Brett Butler first came in the league, oh, yeah. I wanted to talk to him. He had kind of a hot start as a rookie, and I didn't know what he looked like. And I went into the Braves locker room, and uh, is Brett Butler here? And I forget who it was. Somebody pretended they were Brett Butler for like about five minutes before I figured it out. No, I'm not Brett Butler. <laughs> How did they treat uh, Joe Morgan? Uh, you know, Joe. Joe. Um, Joe was maybe the smartest guy in that room, and um, uh, he had been to college, right? He had been to like community college. Hadn't didn't he go to? He went to. Uh, Someone uh, open, right? Yeah, no, he did. He did uh, play a little college, uh, small uh, college. No, ball. no, it was one of the college, community colleges in the East Bay. Yeah, yeah, he's from the East Bay, of course. Yeah, he went. He went to. Um, hmm, I'm gonna look it up before we're done with this. Anyway, so he had been to college. Now it wasn't a four-year college, but it was a two-year college. So again. He liked taking classes and other things, and he um, he would stay. You know, that was a locker room full of big personalities, but uh, he would kind of stay quiet. And I remember talking to him about that once, and I'd say, "Gee, some days you're noisy, some days you're not. You know, what, what's that about?" He goes, "Like, if you notice, the days I'm I'm not afraid to talk are the days I got two hits, right? Three <laughs> <laughs> hits." So his his attitude was, if you're playing well. You can say whatever you want. If you're not, you should probably keep your mouth shut. Smart, smart advice. Yeah, really. I bet Ken Griffey was kind of a kind of a tough guy, wasn't he? No, I, I, really? no, I no, thought no, him to be was, great. I bet you, know, you he was, he, in, in that locker room. He he and Dan Dreesen were kind of the quiet younger guys. Yeah. Didn't do much. It was, you know, it was a bench rose, um, and then Joe when when he was playing well, and uh, and then Perez was kind of the the, the big. You know, traffic cop, like you said, yeah, yeah. And he, he kind of, he was the one guy who could kind of come in and, uh, you know, say, "Hey, guys, settle down" or whatever. And then uh, later on, Tom Seaver joined that team. If you remember? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And he was. Uh, I learned a lot about baseball from that guy. I know other people had difficulty with him, and I and, and it was kind of an awkward thing, Bruce. You've had this experience too, where uh, Seaver was always good with me. I don't know if he thought I asked good questions. I don't know what. I don't. Know, I have no idea. But um, I I learned a lot about pitching from him and, and how pitchers prepare and so forth. Had a, I remember one like two hour long talk we had at spring training once of all places. Um, uh, but I could see. But Tom would sometimes treat other guys not so well, and it, may, it would kind of make you feel uncomfortable. So like, am I supposed to, you know, say, hey Tom, you know, knock it off? I mean, I didn't have. I was a young guy. He was he was an older guy then. But it kind of you probably had that experience too, right? Oh yeah. Somebody's a somebody's been very professional and good with you, and then you see him maybe abusing another reporter, yeah. and you're not quite sure how to react. I always had that with Barry Bonds, and I got along great. And I think it was probably because I did a bunch of interviews with him before he came to San Francisco when he was in Pittsburgh, and I asked him a lot about baseball history, and he appreciated the fact that I knew that. And I think the thing with Barry was, tell me if I'm wrong, Mark, because you had a Obviously, a, your own relationship with Barry Bonds, you covered him as closely as I did, if not even closer. Uh, you know, you, if you get off to a good start with a guy like that, he's, he's not always going to be great with you. But most times, more times than often, not, you know, he will sit down and talk with you and answer your questions. And I never had a problem with Barry Bonds, not once. I saw him being rude to a lot of people, though. What was your experience with Barry well, Bonds? Well, like? <laughs> you know, I just thought he was a weird guy. He I was kind of strange. Really weird guy. <laughs> and uh, I had good and bad experiences with him. And, yeah. uh you know, I, you know, the, my first, the first time I remember I talked to him was the, the first year he showed up there at spring training, and uh, and I went up and introduced myself and said, look, here's who I am, here's what I do. I promise I don't, I don't want to bug you except unless I really need something from you. Um, but uh, you know, today I just like to work on, you know, work on. I'm working on a column about 
you know, you being a Bay Area guy and uh, I'll come play for the Giants. I wonder, if, you know, and, and, and people as talented as Barry, everybody assumes they just were naturally gifted and, and, and Barry was in some sense. But I said, I know, like Michael Jordan, you know, in the summers when he was a basketball player growing up, he he would go to like three different playgrounds a day to play games. He worked at it. I'm sure you did as a young guy, too. Maybe you could give me the name of one of your youth league coaches, your little league coach or something. I could call him up, and I don't have to bother you about this. Hmm. And he said, yeah, I'll give you his name. He's, he's six feet under the ground. And then he turns around and walks away. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh. So I'm standing there going, like, really? And, and there was a teammate sitting next in the, on, the, on the stool there next to his locker. I don't want to tell the guy's name. It was Matt Williams. Well, hold, yeah. I mean, hold, 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 hold that, hold that thought, Mark. Hold, hold that thought because we have to cut to a quick break. We have these okay. hard breaks coming up. Okay, first question: the Colorado Rockies. And if you know the answer, don't answer until we get back to break. The Colorado Rockies began their franchise late in the century in 1993. In their very first season, they already produced their own National League batting champion. Who was it? All right, don't touch that dial. Sports Econ 101. I'll be right back. Results may vary. Not a solicitation for legal services. If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. They can take your property, take you to court, even put you in jail. One call to Wall and Associates and your tax problems are solved. Wall has saved clients over $150 million in the last five years. Our average client settles for about 10% of what is owed. With one call to Wall, you'll never need to talk to the IRS again. We offer free face-to-face consultations in your local area. Remember, Wall has a proven track record with a total client savings over $150 million. Call now for your free face-to-face consultation. 800-813-9940. Rebuild or replace transmission, $3,200. Anti-lock brake system, $1,000. Rebuild or replace engine, $2,400. Truth is, once your manufacturer's warranty runs out, it's all on you. Every last cent. Get protection for covered repairs with a vehicle service contract from Toco Warranty. Unlike other companies, with Toco, there's no down payment, and the monthly payments are really affordable. Not sure how long you're keeping your car? At Toco, you can pay as you go. Keep your hard-earned cash and call Toco Warranty right now at 800-222-2313 to save big money on covered auto repairs. Prices vary by vehicle, but for about the cost of a tank of gas per month, a Toco plan has your back on expensive covered car repairs. Monthly payments are very affordable. Get your free quote now. Call Toco at 800-222-2313. That's 800-222-2313. 800-222-2313. Cancellation fee may apply. Subject to eligibility. Not available in Missouri and Washington. Waiting period and deductible apply. Coverage provided and administered by Warrantech Corporation or its affiliates. Not affiliated with any manufacturer or dealership. Visit tocowarranty.com for complete terms and conditions. This family is at home, but they won't be answering the door. They know that the pounding on the door is a process server from the court waiting to hand them foreclosure documents. So instead of enjoying the home they worked so hard to afford, they sit hiding in the dark. Mom, what was that? 
but it doesn't have to be this way. This family can save their home, but they must act fast. Call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions at 800-274-7312. If you're being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, missed a payment on your mortgage, been a victim of a predatory loan, or are upside down on your home, it's critical that you call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions now. 800-274-7312. Allied State Foreclosure Solutions has an attorney in your area that will meet and speak with you. You can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, save your home and your credit, but you must act now. Call 800-274-7312. 800-274-7312. Not available in all states. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Edward Brown here along with Bruce McGowan. First trivia question. The Colorado Rockies began their franchise late in the century in 1993. In their very first season, they already produced their own National League batting champion. Chip, or champion, excuse me. Who was it? Well, I think I know, but I'm going to let Mark try to answer it, too, see if he has a different well, one. Well, was Todd Helton on that team? I don't even know. No, this would be he 1993. Little, yeah, he came a little later. A little later. Uh, no, I don't know. Okay. Andres Galarraga? That's correct, yeah, yeah. Andres. You know, it's always funny with Andres. You always think of him as that power hitter. He hit the yeah. longest home run, I think it was. Didn't he mark it in uh, San Francisco's new ballpark? I think it was something like 500 feet, something crazy. Uh, like I don't that. know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I only keep track of the homers in the McCovey Cove. There you go. And Bonds has about half of those. Because, uh, I don't, yeah, if you know that story, you know, I was the guy who came up with that name for that. Yeah, I do. That I is kind of a – Mark, Mark came up with a name for McCovey Cove, which I think is a great idea yeah, sure. because McCovey hit so many long balls and he would have hit them into the well, Cove. Well, also McCovey, yeah, McCovey, you know. Well, and, and but, you also, know. but also, you know, I when that when that ballpark was getting was being built, uh, you know, they had – they were going to have Willie Mays Plaza and the Willie Mays statue, and I, I thought, well, geez, what are they doing for McCovey? And found out they really weren't doing anything. And um, which is shameful. Yeah. Oh yeah, or was there were there were well at that time, Bruce. Remember, Willie was kind of in a weird place in his life. Yeah, he did that tax. Uh, yeah, that oh, tax right. Asian thing, yeah. and, and uh, he, I think, believed the Giants had had kind of forgotten about him. It's yeah, the truth. It's kind of a weird deal to imagine but yeah. you know he's one of the greatest guys in the world as you oh, know super guy and uh so i thought well how, what are they doing there for um, for willie mccovey at this and turned out nothing and said well look, maybe they maybe should put their name because as you mentioned if he'd been playing he he, he would a big left-handed hitter he would have hit a lot of balls in that oh one. yeah my, my vision was or my 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 intent was so you put you put that name on that and and it's gonna i, I could just look in the future and see, i hope and I think this happens. Kids will say, why is that called McCovey Cove? And then the parent gets to say, well, let me tell you about Willie McCovey, right? Yeah. And uh, and the baseball's that kind of sport. That and they'll say the guy who named Willie McCovey was Mark Purdy. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and, and uh, I, it's it's been great for Willie. Yeah. I, it's, uh, I, 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 and, and then only like a year or two after that did I realize – Boy, I'm glad. I, I don't have many good ideas in my life. But <laughs> that was a good idea. That was a, very that was good a great idea. Probably well, the first time anybody from San Francisco thought somebody from San Jose had a good idea. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's interesting. You know, I, but, but, you know, I thought, you know, if if that if they hadn't agreed to do that, if, if San Francisco and the Giants had not agreed to just go along with my idea to name that McCovey Cove, by now it would have been like Taco Bell Cove. Right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. Well, yeah. you know. Uh, the, the idea about the, the member because San Jose almost stole the Giants from us. That's right. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I remember watching uh, Willie McCovey hit one out of Candlestick Park. 
which I mean, if you guys remember, no, yeah. I mean, that yeah. was yeah, I, I, I don't know how it was closed in, huh? Yeah, yeah. well, you know, he, they closed it in in 1970, and before that, he would hit them out over the bleachers, and they would bounce around in the cars in the parking yeah. lot. I mean, he was that powerful. Growing up watching him, it was an awe-inspiring kind of thing, and getting to know him later. One of the first games I covered, I actually went up to him and got an interview with him. He just couldn't have been as nice as anybody you can imagine. I mean, the guy was just a gentleman. Yeah, you mean unlike when what Barry Bonds did with me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, the, so to finish that, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I'm standing there, and Matt Williams is sitting on the stool next there, and he looks at me and he goes like, "You better get used to it." Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, but then, kind of rolls his eyes. You know this, Barry would uh, be very cooperative. And oh yeah. It was. It was not. It was odd. I said to him once. You know, I get paid the same whatever you do, whether you MF me or whether you That's answer good. questions or not. I don't, you know, I, I, I it's it's okay with me. It just, <laughs> if you don't want to talk someday, just tell me you don't want to talk. That's cool. But um, I, I said, I didn't understand, like, you know this, Bruce. If he had a bad game, particularly like in a playoff or a big game, he would, like, talk a lot about, like, I screwed up, I didn't. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, but then if he'd hit, like, two home runs or three home runs, you'd, you'd want to go talk to him about that. He wouldn't want to talk. And yeah, yeah. Say, no, talk to else. I'm done. I don't. I'm done. And then, so then I said to Barry, I said, so, and but I said, and that's okay. You know, you can do whatever you want, but then don't come and tell us you guys only write about me when I'm yeah. screw up. Well, you know, it's interesting <laughs> relating relating to your the story. The only time he talked was when he yeah. screwed up. No, you're right. It, it's interesting. That I have always thought about this is a kind of a weird coincidence. Bill Walsh was the same way when when the uh, 49ers would win, which is most of the time. Walsh could be very curt and defensive when they would lose. He would show a part of himself right. that was, uh, you know, not available most of the time, and it was really interesting. Um, you know, you could see he was really hurt by the loss, and he would handle it really well. And I asked him about it years later before he passed away, and he says, "You know, if I talk," he said, "You're not going to learn anything from me about how we won because you saw it, but you need to know how we lost because I can explain it better." And that was his rationale. That's, that's good. So that's I, good. I appreciate that. Maybe Barry was thinking the same thing. You know, maybe he was saying, "Hey, you saw the home run. You write about it." I hit it. I see it. It's gone. I don't want to think about it. But and, uh, and that's fine. Yeah. yeah. And don't then don't gripe and say you only write about me when I do bad things. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I gotta appreciate the humility, though. Well, that's, able to talk it is about an interesting. Your, at least he's willing to talk because yeah. I know a lot of guys. For instance, Jack Morris and Dave Steve, two great pitchers in the eighties, always effusive when they'd win. Great to talk with yeah. after a game. They'd lose a game, which was pretty rare. What a couple of jerks! Well, it's funny because you mentioned both pitchers, you yeah. know. And well, pitchers are a little t- wound yeah. a little tighter sometimes because you kind of go, okay, what did you do to mess up this yeah. game? Did you find pitchers more interesting as people to talk with, Mark? Just because they're kind of off on their own little island most of the time, they only play once every f- starting pitchers. I'm talking about once every five days. So they, while they're a part of the team, they're they're still kind of separate and they're kind of a little more cerebral. It seems like if you could catch a a, a pitcher on an off day and it was an interesting pitcher, and a lot of those guys are interesting. That that was yes that was that was a really good uh, strategy. Who who are some of the guys you enjoyed talking with over the years in baseball? In baseball, yeah. well, as I mentioned, Tom Seaver. I mean, fast. I learned a lot about pitching from him. Um, uh, Joe Morgan, of course. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, Carney Lansford. Carney Lansford, yeah, yeah. always very good. Now, were there any guys who you had a little bit of stars in your eyes before? You know, uh, when probably probably when he was a young guy like me. No, I don't, not in yeah. baseball, uh, because I'll be honest with you. When I was a kid growing up in this little town in Ohio, my dad was not a baseball fan. He never took me to a major oh, league game. Huh. Wow. Um, he was a big football and basketball fan, and uh, the only major league games I went to when my little league team went to Crosley Field to see the Reds play. Um, but uh, so in baseball, no, not so much. Um, some of the other sports, 
Yeah, a little bit. I mean, Joe Namath was, hmm. like, when I was growing up, he was probably my favorite uh, athlete. And so first time I, you know, came across him, that was kind of daunting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you find out these are people that are, they do extraordinary things on the field, but they're still people. And hmm. if you find something that they are eager to talk about, the trick is trying to get them, trying to find that kind of area where they will open up uh, mm. about something. Because you never, if you... If you find that right button, uh, it's pretty remarkable. I'm doing, um, I should mention, uh, yeah, I, I didn't want to make this big deal that I'm retiring. Um, I just kind of want to write one column and see you later. But my bosses said, no, you should announce it earlier, and then you should do, like, a series of columns about your best interviews, your best games you've covered. Sure, and great idea. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I agreed to do that, and so I'm working right now on this piece about, you know, my, my, my five best interviews. And um, Who are they? Well, you'll have to read the Mercury. Ah, <laughs> Mercury.com. One, one of them we just mentioned, Bill Walsh. And, okay. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I once had lunch with Muhammad Ali. Uh, I was going to ask you about Muhammad Ali. What kind of a guy was Muhammad Ali, and when did you interview him? Late in life or when he was still? Yeah, after he was our, I mean, I covered, I'm old enough that I covered some of his latter fights. Mm-hmm. And um, and he was in full Ali mode then, you know, pushing the fights and being a real uh, brash guy. And then... Uh, after uh, he retired and, and the, the Parkinson stuff started setting in, he came here once to San Jose to sign autographs and uh, at an autograph show and went down there. And I think I think Lowell Cohn was with me and uh, maybe Carl Stewart. I don't know. But we were told he's not doing interviews. Don't even show up. Don't even come because he's not going to talk to you. And uh, so we all, I guess, independently thought, well, we'll just come down and watch him sign the autographs and maybe he'll change his mind. <laughs> so after he's, he's done doing that, he's done signing the autographs, he, he looks up, and, and the guy's going, no interviews, no interviews. And Ali comes over to us and goes, uh, you guys want to have lunch? <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> well, he had, he had, I don't think he knew me. He knew my face. You uh-huh. know what I mean? He sure. Because I had been around. I'd covered some of his fights and had been participate, had participated in some interviews, some group interviews. And so, um, yeah, so we walked across the street. Uh, I'll never forget. We were walking across the crosswalk from the San Jose Convention Center to the hotel across the street where he was staying. And you're in the crosswalk, and it was just hilarious because people would pull up to the crosswalk and stop, and you could see them just, like, do double takes. Like, <laughs> what? Ali? What's Ali yeah. doing here? And, and they started honking horns, and Ali, like, did a little uh, shuffle and, uh, <laughs> and uh, shadow box in the middle yeah. of the crosswalk. And people Boy, he was a showman, wasn't he? he how old yeah. was he at that time? Uh, this would have been – he was in his 40s. Yeah. And um, so uh, sat down to lunch and answered any question we wanted. Wow. And uh, – I remember he left a $50 tip for the waitress and told some sort of parable about, uh, I guess, from the Koran or something about, uh, you know, because he said, let's just go. And he goes like, and don't, he says, I'll I'll leave the tip and I won't even look and see if they see the tip because that means means you're just showing off. I like that. And and he, uh, you know, he's a very spiritual guy, a lot of contradictions, right? But but a uh, very spiritual guy, and it was a real uh, remarkable experience. I uh, bet it was. I bet it was. Yeah, when he walked in, I only met him once, and it was much later on in the late 90s. He showed up to the uh, media room at Super Bowl headquarters in Atlanta and just sat down to watch uh, the TV with all the reporters, and all the reporters kind of sat around him on the floor like a bunch of little kids. I'll never forget Lowell <laughs> Cohn sitting right at his feet and looking up at him <laughs> with this look of like a child who was talking to Santa Claus. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was an amazing. He had that presence about him, didn't he? Yeah. Well, he had, nobody had more charisma. Yeah. And I remember asking him that day. You know, well, so uh, everybody wants to know about your health and how you're doing. And do you do you ever think the fighting led to this? And do you ever regret, hmm. you know, maybe staying too long to fight? And he, his answer was, I'm paraphrasing. You know, well, nobody would know who I am if I hadn't been a fighter. Yeah, wow. that's true. So, uh, hey. I'll do, uh, this is the trade-off. This is the trade-off. Mark, stay, stay with us. This is, this is good stuff. All right, second trivia question. When the American League began in 1901, what was the name of the Cleveland team? All right, we're talking baseball. Gotcha. All right, stay with us. Sports Econ 101, we'll be right back. How would you like to earn over 8% per year in your investment portfolio in a conservative investment that has been considered one of the best-kept secrets in investing? At Pacific Private Money, we are actually paying over 8%. Imagine what a mutual fund of low loan-to-value mortgages would look like. Well, that is very similar to what participating in the Pacific Private Money Fund is like, because we own many loans in the fund that are actually less than 60% loan-to-value. It would be extremely difficult to find an investment that yields over 8% with this much collateral. We pay you monthly. Can you imagine earning more in one month than most banks are paying in one year? Of course you have questions about how we can deliver this. So call Pacific Private Money at 415-883-2150 and we will answer all of your questions. You can also visit us at pacificmoneyfund.com. Hi, Sports Econ 101 listeners. I'm Edward Brown. You know me as the host of the show, but you may not know that I work with individuals getting them the least expensive term life insurance policies around. Don't be fooled by the ads you hear on TV and radio. It's always best to work with someone who's completely independent. That's where I come in. If you email me at edward at sportsecon101.com your name, your age, and how much insurance you want, I'll run the numbers through my software program and let you know the least expensive policy around from among many of the top insurance companies. Again, I'm totally independent, so email edward at sportsecon101.com for your free life insurance quote today. Why pay more for life insurance than you need to? I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sportsecon101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sportsecon101.com. Attention to anyone that's written a book or wants to write a book. The process is not that complicated. Take a first step. Even if you write a page a day, you'll build momentum and your book will become a reality. The hard part is getting it published. That's when you need to call Page Publishing. They've got hundreds and hundreds of thank yous from different new authors just like you. They make the process of publishing your new book and getting it sold online a simple process. You can learn how simple it is right now by calling for your free page publishing new author submission kit one quick three-minute phone call that's all it takes to get free information and learn how you can get your book published pick up your phone right now and call us 24 hours a day at this number 800-603-0885 800-603-0885 800-603-0885 that's 800-603-0885 
Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Here was our second trivia question. When the American League, we're talking baseball, uh, began in 1901, what was the name of the Cleveland team? Mark, you know the answer to that? Is this, I think I might know this. You know, I'm a native Ohio guy. Is it the Spiders? Uh, no, this is actually before. The Spiders were in the 1890s, I think. Yeah, the 1890s. They? But, yeah, so they weren't part of the American the Naps? League. No? No? No, we, we actually Oh, have... the Pilgrims. No, no, no. No, no that, that's Boston. I know it's Boston. But uh, just for some the reason. The Blues. But... That's right. You told me that a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, I had a question that was similar to the Cleveland Blues. The Cleveland Blues. It is strange. I can see the St. Louis Blues, but I guess they play blues in Cleveland, don't they? Maybe I meant the color blue. I don't know. Mark, what what do you think, Maybe the north versus the south. Yeah, but you think it was just like the Columbus Blue Jackets, Mark? You think that's what it's all about? I don't know. I don't know where the blues came from. I have no idea where that nickname came from. Mark, well, Mark Purdy is our guest, and we were talking about boxing and your experiences with Ali. And Edward posed a good question during our break. He was, he was saying that, and it's true, unfortunately, pro boxing has become sort of a secondary sport like, like horse racing. And even uh, stock car racing has lost a lot of popularity mm-hmm. in recent years. Why do you think boxing has lost so much of it, its appeal, Mark? Because on, on the surface, it still is a pretty raw, compelling sport to watch, and yet it, the numbers of uh, people watching it and paying attention to it just has dropped appreciably. Yeah. Well, again, opinions on demand. Um, I think boxing did it to itself. Um, it, it used to be there was, like, one champ, and then all these different organizations came about, and they had all these different champs. But I think the big thing that occurred, Bruce, you'll remember, uh, when we were kids, Muhammad Ali, a lot of Muhammad Ali's fights were on network TV. Yeah, that's They true. were on uh, Saturday afternoon Wide World of Sports or whatever, yeah. And uh, the model back then was the, the, the fighters would start out uh, and, and have a lot of their fights on network TV to kind of build up interest in them, and then they would jump to maybe the pay-per-view or, uh, the, uh, in those days, what was it, closed circuit. Yeah, they, yeah, they right? so those were the biggest fights, but there were a lot of fights on a weekly basis on network TV. Well, eventually uh, HBO and Showtime caught up, and they started taking away those kind of weekly fights to put on their... Uh, networks. Well, plus, plus you had the MMA now. Uh, well, but that's, that's a, that came along later. True. I think boxing was suffering before this. Okay. And my, my point is that the guy sitting at home on a Saturday afternoon or Friday night, um, you know, could not see uh, the best fighters because they were on HBO, which he may not pay for, right? He may mm. not have that on his yeah. package. And so um, uh, those guys were, instead of, instead of building their reputations on network TV, now, all of a sudden, you know, you kind of had to be in the know about boxing. It became mm. more of a niche sport, mm. and uh, and that has really damaged it. Yeah, 60 years ago, boxing and horse racing were probably the two big oh. sports behind baseball, no right? No question. No and, question. Uh, now, neither one uh, is, is in the forefront uh, imagination. And, and the other thing is, I think a lot of great athletes who used to be boxers now become basketball players. Mm-hmm. Football players, because there's more consistent big money there. Yeah, uh, and uh, so so the best athletes are no longer boxers when when they used to be. I mean, I remember boxing being big when I was a kid, but horse racing it was only the three majors. Right, but but I'm talking about like now in the early part of the 20th century, probably right up until maybe 19, maybe through the 1940s. Yeah, um, because there was in those days the NFL wasn't as huge. Yeah. Um, the NBA was definitely. Nothing. You know, yeah. Blip on the radar, yeah. and uh, and uh, and it was one of the few things you could gamble on. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's right? true. When every town, the horse track was kind of the place to be if you wanted a, a little excitement. Yeah. And, uh, then it got a lot of competition, and the horse race industry 
again kind of turned on its uh, into on itself and mm. became this niche thing like uh, you kind of had to be in the know to to uh, you know get involved in the breeding yeah. and all this stuff. Mm. Well, also the uh, uh, 1919 uh, Black Sox scandal probably had a, a, an effect on gambling on baseball. Right, yeah. but uh, baseball was smart there. Of course, hired the commissioner Keenstar Landis yeah. to kind of clean that up, and uh, uh, you know that but baseball also. <laughs> Baseball is a team sport. That's that. Yeah, there was a Civil War historian named Bruce Catton who wrote this line that I'll never forget, which is that he said, "Baseball is the biggest conversation piece America's ever invented." Mm. And oh, great line. Yeah, Amazing. people love talking about baseball for some reason more than almost any other sport. I guess it's just because of the way the game is played, the personalities, the length of the season. I don't know. Well, you know, I think I think partly because it's it, it is a team sport, but there's a lot of individual. You know, because it's just the batter when he's up there, and there's a lot of leisure time to think about things, yeah. about statistics, and, and a lot. And all, and almost everybody had played baseball as a kid. Yeah, yeah in our in our generation and before, so, that's true. And so uh, they, that made it different from horse racing, right? Yeah. Uh, but horse racing, in my view, kind of turned to too much, where they got they got too influenced by gambling, and and it became more of a gambling thing than a sport. Yeah, and, uh, no question. That that really that really sent them in the wrong direction. Why is hockey now? I've always and I'm, I'm, this may be a rhetorical question to ask because I have my own ideas. But why do you think hockey? It's it's always been kind of a niche sport. It's it's an extremely popular sport Cold in places weather. like Montreal and Detroit and even in San Jose. But it has never had the kind of universal appeal that the NBA or NFL or Major League Baseball because has. In Houston, it, it doesn't get cold enough. Well, is that play. is that part of it, Mark? Because a lot most people don't learn how to ice skate, so they don't. Yeah, I think I think the fact that you don't most kids don't play it as a yeah. you know when they're young, I think that has something to do with it. But also, uh, you you only have so much room on your plate for. I mean, I can't keep up with everything going on in sports, and I'm paid to do it. <laughs> um, and uh, so, if you were a kid growing up, and there's football and basketball and baseball, now what's going to be your next sport? If you're going to follow, is there room to even follow it? Um, you know, hockey in Canada, of course. If you go up there, I mean, I covered I covered a lot of particularly playoff series in Canada and in Edmonton this past spring, and it's like nothing else exists but hockey up there, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, in some places you could no probably play it. Up there, yeah. And, uh, you play uh, three, it, six, three to six, five so days a year. And it's part of the yeah. culture. And I, I think, I, you know, I think, I, I, I don't know. I always say hockey's either the, the fourth major sport or the largest cult sport. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> it is a cult sport. I mean, the people uh, who follow it are really, big cult. Yeah. The biggest, It's either the biggest cult sport or yeah. the smallest major sport. There you go. Um, but uh, I, I and I also think uh, people, if you if you've never been to a hockey game in person, it's it's hard I think to follow on TV what's really going on. Um, you know, you, you, I think you need to see a game in person and I agree. see all these guys and see and get a sense for how how the game works. I mean, I have people say, "Yeah, I don't get it." I always say, "Well." You know, you like the football, right? Yeah. Well, in the NFL, like the quarterback drops back, he's got like two and a half, three seconds to decide what he's going to do with the ball. He's going to throw it. Is he going to pull it down and run with it? Is he going to, you know, toss it out on an outlet pass? Is he going to throw the ball away? Well, you know, what's he going to do? Well, in hockey, every player is like the quarterback that that has the puck, right? Yeah. Every player that touches the puck is, is like the quarterback, and he's got two seconds to decide what he's going to do, or he's going to get his block knocked off. Is he going to pass it? Is he going to skate with it? Is he going to yeah. drop it off to somebody else? Um, and that happens uh, dozens of times a game, right? Yeah. That's why I find it fascinating. And people say, "Well, gee, I hadn't thought about that part of it before." And, I, and so I think that when you when you when you watch enough hockey and you see 
the skill it takes and what they're doing, I think you gain an appreciation for it, particularly in a building itself where you get a sense for the speed. But you got to get people in the building, and this, this is where hockey kind of hurts itself, right? The fans who love hockey love hockey, right? And they fill up the building, but it's the same guys, right? It's the same. In the Bay Area, it's probably... They probably rotate maybe 150,000 different people. Well, you got you got to get near the glass too. If you're way oh, up high, you can it, see even even upstairs. But my point is that you know, so the the, the SAP Center holds 17.5 or whatever, and uh, between partial season tickets and everything, but it's probably the same 100 to 150,000 people going through that. But the other people just don't go. Yeah. And if you don't go, you don't get the sense of of, of what the game's really about. No, you know, you can follow it on the radio and, and television and the newspapers, but it's not quite the same as going. Well, you know, I, I want to ask you before we let you go, because we know you're busy and Mark is working on a couple of books, which I think, you know, down the road he's talked about that uh, you should give a plug for before we, we let you go. But I got to ask you about Paul Brown, because when you were a young reporter for the Cincinnati, I believe the Cincinnati Inquirer, is that right. you? Uh, I, I think you got to know him pretty well, and he was yeah. in his later years, and he was kind of a mythical figure. Tell us a little story about Paul Brown. Yeah, well, uh, you know, yeah, I feel again, I feel fortunate that when I was starting my career, there was Paul was around. And, yeah, I mean, I, and also some of the other, you know, NFL legends. I mean, I once spent an afternoon with George Hallis in his office wow. in Chicago. Um, and, but Paul, I got to know because he was the general manager of the Browns, and uh, uh, he was a crusty guy. And as you know. He hired Bill Walsh as his assistant, and Bill worked for him for eight years as, as an offensive assistant and offensive coordinator. And it was always funny when I'd be listening to Bill and I'd hear him say something like, where have I heard that before? Oh, right, Paul <laughs> Brown said that, right? <laughs> yeah. um, um, but Paul, you know, there was there was Paul's way and then there was everybody else's way. Yeah. And uh, he, he had this way of fixing you with a glare that, uh, you know, could, like, melt you in your tracks and uh i remember the first time i asked him a question he didn't like and it was like he stared at me for what seemed like 30 seconds but it was probably five seconds um and it was a question after he'd fired a coach a guy named homer rice remember that and i and he said i, I said so are you saying you made a mistake when you hired this guy Ooh, <laughs> he looked at me, yeah. <laughs> and he says uh, he says why do you want to be why you know why why do you want to hurt a guy like that? And I and I, <laughs> I said which guy? Yeah, yeah I was just going to ask you that. <laughs> which and uh, and he stared at me some more. But um, he I think he respected the job reporters did. I mean he he had a number of us out to play golf with him at his, at his country club there, and um, he uh, he but he he never. He would, ne- he, he would never admit, there, here's a story you'll like, he would never admit that any quarterback was ever as good as Otto Graham, mm-hmm. right? Otto Graham was his quarterback in Cleveland, and, um, and, and Otto Graham ha- had a great record. Right? He, he was in pro football for 10 years, played in the championship game every year. Well, yeah, he, he, pro football. he's yeah. the only one who ever won a championship for them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, well, actually, no, Paul, they, they were, uh, Jim, uh, Jim Brown won one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jim Brown won one in 64. Yeah. But anyway... Uh, so, so it was kind of the running uh, gag, you know, like you asking me. So, uh, if I learned quickly when Paul was the general manager, if he come out to practice, go stand on the sidelines next to him because you're going to learn something, right? But it became kind of a thing with me and a couple of the writers, like uh, whatever year that was, whoever the hot quarterback was, right? It could have been uh, Dan Marino, it could have been uh, Roger Staubach, or some whoever whoever was the hot quarterback that year. We'd say, Paul, what do you what do you think of? Uh, 
you know, Staubach this year. And and Paul would go, yeah, he's he's good. Good, good quarterback. But he's no auto. <laughs> and then it would be, what do you think of this Montana kid? Boy, he's really showing, you know, he's got it. And uh, Paul would go, yes, he's having a fine year, but he's no auto. Uh, now, but, but toward the end, though, I mean, if he really... Would, would he still say Otto was the greatest quarterback who yes. ever lived, though? Yes. Uh, yeah. I, you ask Otto well, that, I can, and, I can and I'm underst- sure Otto wouldn't agree. I can understand it, though. I mean, it well, was good. Hey, hey, guys, one year, Otto Graham led the Cleveland Browns in passing touchdowns and rushing touchdowns. Wow. I remember hearing yeah. about that. He was, a, he was an interesting guy. Now, he went on, Otto Graham, for those that don't know, was a great quarterback for the Browns, as, as Mark was mentioning, but he also went on to coach briefly and did not have much success as a coach in the 60s. I remember when I was a kid. I think he coached the Browns, didn't he? No, he, he or Redskins. Redskins. Yeah, that's right. The Redskins. He coached the Coast Guard Academy for a while, and I think oh, he did okay there. Yeah. And then every year, boy, now we're really going nostalgic. Remember the, every summer they used to have the college football all star game. Oh yeah. The college all stars would play against the defending NFL. Yep, I remember that exhibition game of the year. Yeah. And Autogram always coached the college all stars in that game. Interesting. And one year beat them. One year beat the NFL. One year I think he beat the Packers. Wow. <laughs> oh, that had to be humiliating. So, well, uh, you know, Bart Starr was pretty good, but he was no auto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, Mark Purdy, it's been a pleasure having you on. Hey, oh. it's been a lot of fun. I, you know, I'm. I'm gonna. I told Bruce this. You know what? What I'm gonna miss is the, the tribe, the fellow members of the yeah. tribe in the press box. Not so much the athletes, or, or even really the games. Just kind of that atmosphere in the press box that uh, I feel really lucky to have been a part of for you know, 30, 30 years here. We're gonna miss you too, man. I'm, yeah. I hope we see you from time to time. I think I think the world will go on just fine. But I'm gonna miss. <laughs> I'm gonna miss the tribe. All, All right. right. Take it great. easy, Mark. Thanks great. again. Thank you. Okay. Mark is really one of the one of the great guys in, that I've gotten to know in uh, the media, and it's been a pleasure knowing him all these years, 34 years now. All right, last trivia question. Although the An- Angels franchise began in 1961, they made the best of the remaining 39 seasons to end the 20th century. Who hit for the cycle twice as an Angel? Don't mm. touch that dial. Sports Econ 101. We'll be right back with some closing comments. Are you an inventor who would like to try to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to companies? But you don't know what to do next? Call for free information from InventHelp. InventHelp, a leading inventor service company, has been helping inventors since 1984 and has sales offices located in more than 60 cities nationwide. You'll want to talk to the company that has helped secure more than 7,000 invention patents. So call InventHelp. Even if you have an idea for improving an existing product and don't know where to go with it, you'll still want to call InventHelp for free information. You'll find out how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to companies. So call now. Call InventHelp at 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Get your free information by dialing 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. 1-800-316-1738. Are you a business owner or an individual who owes the IRS? Then be prepared to write down an important phone number. Do you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes? Do you need to file back tax returns? Are you dealing with bank levies and wage garnishments? It's time to deal with your IRS problem today. Call Certified Tax Tax Representation now. Certified Tax Tax Representation, Inc. represents clients just like you in all 50 states. They will contact the IRS on your behalf the same day that you become a client, and you can become a client. 
it immediately. It's time for you to face your IRS problems. Think about how great you're going to feel when you're represented by a company who's an advocate for you, who knows the law, who also will contact the IRS the same day you become a client. Call today for your free, no-obligation consultation. Call now, 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Not all cases are typical, and some may not qualify. The consultation is free, and so is the call, so call right now. 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. When you struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have $5,000, $10,000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063-800-957-6063. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. And by the way, it was great having Mark Purdy yeah, on, good guy. but he's no Bruce McGowan. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're in no different fields. He's a writer. I'm a broadcaster. No, he, so. was, no, he, was, he was great. But we, we've sat next to each other a lot in the uh, press boxes over the years. He's a great guy. All right. Here's our last trivia question. Although the Angels began, uh, their franchise began in 1961, they made the best of the remaining 39 seasons to end the 20th century. Who hit for the cycle twice as an Angel? Oh, now, you man. will know the name. Is it going back to the 60s? I believe so. Late 60s, early 70s, maybe? I was going to say Leon Wagner was no. there, but I don't think he did it. Uh, Bobby Knopp, Jim Fregosi. No. Yes, Jim, Jim Fregosi. Jim Fregosi. Jim Fregosi coached with the Giants. I got to know him uh, slightly. Interesting guy. He was a real crusty. You know, Mark talked another, about another crusty, crusty characters. They, you know, hard drinking, hard living, yeah. uh, great storytelling. Those are the kind of guys. And was he in them. the late sixties, early seventies? Yeah, he was a big star so. from you know the mid sixties to. Yeah. Probably, and then he, I'm trying to remember if he played for some other team. I don't think he may have, but I don't, he was yeah. a great player for several years. But someone like Montreal or something like that. Yeah, probably. I, you know, my my mind is you know hazy. <laughs> so as we get older, the haze moves the haze. in. <laughs> uh, it's starting to get hazy around well, here. You're in San Francisco, Bay Area, so fog of course is the coming fog. in. Yes. Okay, here's our quotes for the day. Texas A&M coach Shelby McCaff, Metcalf, excuse me, on a player who had uh, a report card with four F's and a D. Mm. Son, it looks like you're spending too much time on one subject. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's good. And Rocky Graziano said, I quit school in the sixth grade because of pneumonia. Not because I had it, but because I couldn't spell it. <laughs> ah, good. He had a good sense of humor, too. I like that. Yeah. Graziano, Marciano, yeah, well, same, yeah. same thing. Right? They, make a mo- yeah. they made a movie about him. Uh, Paul Newman starred in the role, I believe. As, as Graziano? Yes. Interesting. Yes, yeah. I mean, he was uh, quite a champion. He no? was. Not, he was. Not, he wasn't as good as Marciano, who was undefeated, no. but he undefeated, was still good. who died in a plane crash, too. Did you oh, know that's that? that's right, yes. He was only like 43 years old. Yeah. And it was interesting. He always would carry at least $10,000 with him in cash. Always. 
Wow, that's a lot back then. Well, he didn't believe in banks. He kept most of his money hidden away in his house. Seriously. Interesting. That's a true story. All right. Tune in next week. We'll talk about it next week. Next week. Okay. (laughs) Tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective and asking more sports trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm your host, Edward Brown. We'll see you next week. Good night, America. So long.